0: Heads up here at the top, this podcast contains, like, a couple swear words. So, Jordan, a week ago, you wrote that Medicare for All is becoming a political quagmire for Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Explain.
1: Well, like, the first rule of Medicare for All is don't talk about how you're going to pay for Medicare for All, <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: Jordan Weissman is our resident economic wonk here at Slate. And he came into the studio because Elizabeth Warren, she had been trying to follow this rule. But then last week, she broke it. Got an answer. I never thought I would be describing a policy paper as hotly anticipated, but here we are in 2019 learning new things every day. Leading in Iowa, Elizabeth Warren is today putting a price tag on Medicare for all. 20 and a half trillion trillion in new spending over 10 years. In a new tweet confirming, my plan won't raise taxes one penny on middle-class families. I want to bring in
1: NBC- We have this exorbitantly expensive health care system in the United States. We spend more of our GDP on health than any other country in the world, figuring out how to take that money and then create a national health care system that actually insures everyone is a very difficult task because somehow you have to you have to take all this private spending and turn it into tax revenue.
0: Warren's new plan, it dwarfs the proposal spelled out by Bernie Sanders, and he's the guy who popularized Medicare for all in the first place.
1: You know, he will get up on a debate stage and he'll say, "Your taxes are going to go up, but your health costs are going to go down because it's going to be no co-pays, no deductibles, no premiums. All that's going to be taken care of." That's his answer. Your taxes go up, but your costs go down, and you're you're going to save money. That was enough to kind of get him honesty points.
0: So the fact that he would admit, yeah, taxes will go up, guys. Yeah, g- people were just like, okay, fine, we'll we'll give you a pass here. Yeah,
1: I mean, like people still criticized him or whatnot, but I mean, it was you know there were that was good enough.
0: But Elizabeth Warren, she did not get off so easily because there was one thing she would not say.
1: So Warren had this, we saw this at her last debate performance, had had this quirk, <laughs> this um, tick. But you have not specified how you're going to pay for the most expensive plan, Medicare for all. Will you raise taxes on the middle class for pay, to pay for it, yes or no?
0: So I have made clear what my principles are here, and
1: that is... She refused to say your taxes are going to go up. Instead, she would just say costs are going to come down. Direct question. You said middle class families are going to pay less, but will middle class taxes go up to pay for the program? I know you believe that the deductibles and the premiums will go down. Will middle class taxes go up? Will private insurance be eliminated?
0: Look, what families have to deal with is cost, total cost. That's what they it
1: became this like to... almost cat and mouse game between her and the moderator. So they keep asking, and she would just say costs, and it was really awkward and kind of weird. Because Bernie was there on stage saying, "Yeah, here's what's
0: going to happen." Now Elizabeth Warren says she's got some new math, but Jordan is wondering if it even adds up.
1: You know, I, the reason I said quagmire is because there's just like a lot of there are a lot of pitfalls you can fall into. Once you put down a paper, here is exactly how I'm going to pay for it. It's easy to figure out who the winners and losers are.
0: So today on the show, Jordan's going to lay out the winners and the losers, and then he's going to talk about what this new plan means for Medicare for All's political future. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next? Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. So a year ago, yeah, we did a show about healthcare and the Democrats. Yeah. How it was clearly an issue that was winning for them. I mean, Nancy Pelosi like yeah. wants everyone to talk about healthcare, right? But that everyone was sort of tugging towards Bernie's Medicare for all. Yeah. And that had become just the way people talked about healthcare. Yeah. Like a catchphrase and no one knew what it meant.
1: But well, now now we pretty much know what Medicare for all means, because every single debate starts with a 15-minute conversation about some aspect of Medicare for all. A lot of candidates seem to think that they were going to try and court the left, and so they signed on to it, right? Like, there was that point where Bernie brought out his version of the bill and, like— Cory Booker endorsed it, Warren endorsed it, Kamala Harris endorsed it. And then you had this awkward situation where they all had to sort of backtrack throughout their campaigns. Like, actually, I uh, no, I'm not really on board with this. I was just sort of Foe. I was kind of, sort of, I, I liked the spirit of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, Kamala Harris was a really good example of that, because yeah. that's exactly what she did. Like, I, yes, no, are we abolishing private health insurance? Maybe. Could, couldn't
1: make up her mind. Well, you support uh, the Bernie Sanders bill, which essentially gets I rid of insurance. I support Medicare for All, but I really do need to clear up what yes. happened on that stage. Okay. It was in the context of saying, let's get rid of all the bureaucracy, let's get all of the waste. Oh, not the insurance companies. No,
0: that's not what I meant. I know it was interpreted that way. If you watch the tape, I think you'll see that there are obviously many interpretations of what I said, what I meant. But Elizabeth Warren is a decider. And it sounds like she decided, yes, I'm going to do this. But then it created the pressure of, well, now we got to pay for it.
1: Now we got to pay for it because she has to have a plan, right? That's her brand. Everyone was willing to give Bernie sort of the, you know, points for for just giving the the rough outline of what he had in mind. Whereas with Warren, it's like, well, you know, you— you're so specific, usually. <laughs> you're, like, you're so on top of this, Elizabeth. So, you know, she she sort of got backed into having to do this. And, you know, I think the plan she's come up with now, and again, her innovation is really on the financing side. She's trying to take the negative and turn it into a positive by saying, look, I can do this while giving workers a raise and lowering costs for companies. So she, she's trying to kind of do this jujitsu on the entire healthcare conversation. And again, it's not totally clear to me if it's going to work, given the reaction we've seen so far. But I think it's it's a hell of a try.
0: <laughs> I mean, what stood out to me about this plan, because I did read yeah. the whole dozens of pages of yeah. plan, it was actually pretty readable. It covers everything. It covers everything in this way that seems very pie in the sky. Well, because parts seemed- of it are. Warren's version of Medicare for All would eliminate health insurance premiums, which is why she claims it would basically give workers a raise. It would get rid of co-pays and deductibles, too. And it pays for all that by requiring a whole host of new taxes, a wealth tax on individuals, one that's even higher than what she previously proposed, an employer contribution to the federal government. And to make sure the government gets as much of this new tax money as possible, Warren also wants way more IRS enforcement.
1: So the U.S. could raise a lot more money or could raise a good amount of money just by doing a better job enforcing taxes, right? Like the the IRS has really been defunded and like the number of auditors has fallen off a cliff. Like for every dollar you spend on IRS enforcement, I think it's like you get six back, right? Up to a point. And if you look like the, the CBO has done a calculation, the Congressional Budget Office, where they've said, if you increase IRS enforcement by or the enforcement budget by 35 percent, you could raise an extra thirty five billion dollars. That's mm-hmm. like that's good. That's money for nothing. Right? right. That's like. And so Warren takes this idea, but then she goes like way far with it. And she's like, we're not just going to raise thirty five billion dollars over a decade by increasing IRS enforcement. We're going to raise two point three trillion dollars. And it's just like, OK, like, I don't like maybe like I don't know. If this, this isn't so much a plan as it is an ambition. But it's not just taxes that are paying for Medicare for all. At the end of the plan, it, it goes from we're going to raise taxes on banks and on Jeff Bezos to what I kind of call the liberal gift list. It's not even talking about taxes anymore. It's like, all right, well, we can raise um, 400 billion dollars in revenue just by uh, doing comprehensive immigration reform. Because, you know, there'll be more workers paying taxes. So, yeah, that's $400 billion right there. And then it says, well, you know, we can also uh, just cut $800 billion from the Pentagon budget. Like, they have this whole slush fund. Let's get rid of that. Which, like, yeah, I mean, that's that's great stuff. And, you know, it's obviously like you're just sort of a
0: a liberal fantasy at that point. It does feel like liberal Mad Libs, though, when you read this. I mean, it's like literally getting rid of tons of money that goes to the Department of Defense. But you realize, really, when you have to find this much money, you have to go under the couch cushions like this, all the places you have to go. Well, if you want to avoid a direct tax hike on the middle class, that's what you have to do.
1: And that's what gets us back to kind of the whole centerpiece of this plan, which, depending on how you look at it, kind of maybe politically brilliant or actually maybe politically terrible.
0: And let's just say what this is. It's this move to make employers contribute to the single-payer system.
1: Yes. this is Yeah, it's in her plan. And, you know, what it essentially is is that she has this thing called the employer Medicare contribution. And it would require companies to take the money that they now plan to pay for private insurance and just give it to the government instead, right? So if you're a company and you pay $10,000 for each of your workers on average, you take Essentially that amount, you actually adjust it up by last year's increase in national health expenditures, so maybe 3% there. Then you multiply it by 98% or like 0.98, because that's the number. And you come out with your, your fee that you pay the government each year. So
0: 98%. So you're like saving 2%.
1: Yeah, like what you would probably be paying. You're saving about 2% off that. And so that's each employer doesn't pay any more than they already would. They might pay a little less than they would for private insurance um, if they kept offering the same coverage that they do currently to their workers. And she thinks this would raise about $8.8 trillion, which is about $200 billion less than what employers as a whole are um, on pace to spend over the next 10 years or expected to spend over the next 10 years. So, So we're saving. Yeah. I mean, and so that, again, that sounds like common sense. Instead, everyone's just paying a little bit less than what they were going to pay anyway.
0: But Jordan says this part of Warren's plan It's going to have critics, especially from certain businesses.
1: If you are currently paying for health insurance for your workers or you're paying for generous health insurance for your workers, you get a terrible deal under this plan compared Mm. to people who aren't paying for health insurance for their workers. So let's say you're like a coffee shop, right? Like,
0: And you've been paying because you're nice.
1: Yeah. Like the plan... The plan says that companies that with less than 50 employees are exempted unless they already pay for health insurance. So let's say you're a, a nice local coffee shop and you pride yourself on paying for health coverage for your workers because that's the right thing to do and the guy down the street doesn't. Under Warren's plan, you have to keep paying for health coverage.
0: Like, guy down the street does not.
1: Guy does not. And you don't even get a recruiting bonus. You don't even get like a perk of being able to say to people, well, you get health coverage if you come work at, you know, my coffee shop rather than the other guy, you know, Dan's down the street. That sucks, right? Like you feel like you're not paying any more than you were before, but you certainly feel like you, you got a raw deal. You feel like a loser probably. So that's, that's one criticism. And you actually, there are more subtle versions of this. Like, you know, let's say you take two companies that are in the same industry and one offered more generous health insurance than the other. And then the other one offered slightly higher wages. The one that was offering more generous health insurance is now put at a disadvantage, right? Like there are other subtle ways this works out, which again, no one's paying any more than they were before. They might even be paying a bit less, but they still feel like losers in the bargain, uh, at least compared to their competitors. So that's one criticism that I think is is valid. That could and that could have political implications because you're gonna see some small business owners essentially saying, hey. Why me? Why do I get penalized here? Well,
0: and there are already so many enemies of Medicare for all. This brings in a whole new faction of people who will have things to say that aren't so great. Well, and so that's a point
1: that a healthcare writer I really like, named John Walker, who you should all follow on Twitter, John Walker J O N, uh, has made uh, to me, which is that what this sort of does is it takes people who might naturally be inclined to support Medicare for all because they have high health costs and they stand to save money if you had a national health system and actually turns them into potential opponents of it because they feel like they're getting the shaft it creates a different set of enemies than another approach to funding it might so that that's that's one criticism so no matter what you do and this is kind of the damned if you do damned if you don't no matter how you structure it you're going to create some kind of winner and some kind of loser
0: The thing that stood out to me about Warren's plan was how much she'd been able to bend the financing of Medicare for all to her will, to the same things she's been talking about again and again. This plan is tied together with all kinds of other plans that she's put out there, her prescription drug plan, her immigration plan, and most importantly, her wealth tax. Yeah. Because this takes the wealth tax and it says— Remember how I was going to charge a little wealth tax on the billionaires? <laughs> she's she's matching Sanders now. Let's supersize
1: it. Let's supersize it. Look, it's a comprehensive vision of government. That's that's what she's trying to lay out. You know, that's <laughs> ambitious. That's good. That's I, I'm not going to fault someone for being like, here's how I think the world should work. I'm running for president. I want to be the most powerful person in, in the world or at least America <laughs> these days. You know, that's... It's good to have a comprehensive vision, but I, it is also good to I, be at humble. The same, yeah, be humble. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm saying like, OK, Warren's got this grand plan, like the plan of plans, the, the plan of plans. <laughs> but actually, you know, I'm I'm probably not giving her enough credit because she also her in a lot of the individual pieces of what she wants to do would work perfectly fine on their own. And more than that, actually, she she has a pretty comprehensive idea of what she wants to do with the federal government if she can't pass massive you know, new welfare state programs. Um, She has ideas for things like antitrust that she and, you know, the right and regulatory reform that wouldn't require a leftist takeover of Congress.
0: One of the other criticisms that came out after this plan was released was that Elizabeth Warren isn't estimating high enough how much money it's going to cost. I think the funniest place you saw this was on SNL this weekend, yeah. where you have a woman ask a question. Hi,
1: sorry, I have a follow-up because I'm annoying. You said your plan would cost $20.5 but other economists have said it could cost $34 trillion.
0: Right, okay, let me stop you right there, and yeah, we're talking trillions. You know, when the numbers are this big, they're, they're just pretend. <laughs> There, there ain't no Scrooge McDuck vault. You right? are you ready to get red pilled? Money doesn't exist. <laughs> it's just a promise from a computer. You might as well say it costs non-jillion over a10. same difference. All right,
1: next. I mean, that's sort of the whole weird thing about all of this is people are being asked to come up with extremely realistic plans to To pay for something that's just not realistically going to happen. And I, I, I saw a few people who were like Warren's Warren's decision to include immigration reform and military cuts is kind of a fuck you to that whole concept. It's just like sort of a counter troll, like <laughs> which again, it comes it's out. It's what to, it
0: felt like reading it.
1: Yeah, it's just it's but once you're in that level of like ideas that will raise trillions of dollars, unless it is something extremely basic. Like a payroll tax, where we just know how much money's out there, and you can probably guess how much it would require. Like, yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of fantasy involved.
0: But to me, reading it, yeah. and you know, I have my own particular points of view. I saw the defense spending in there and the immigration reform. It did make me think about how many things our government spends money on that we don't even think about. Bat yeah. an eyelash at yeah. you know, trillions of dollars that we can just stop. But, move somewhere else.
1: I mean, there is this, like, classic, the classic Republican line, like, we're going to eliminate waste, fraud, and abuse. And, more you know, this is sort of Warren's version of it, right? She's like, you want waste, fraud, and abuse? Here's an $800 billion slush fund that we give the military. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, point taken. Like, is it going to happen? Maybe not, but it's that's certainly... Again, it, she's using it as an opportunity to make an argument about our priorities, which is not the worst thing in the world.
0: So you're saying basically this is like a Dadaist experiment to kind of show, like, what <laughs> what we're trying to say, but we're not actually going to do it. Yeah.
1: I mean, like, I look, I have mixed feelings. Because on the one hand, I think that it's good when politicians say what they want to do and how they're going to do it. On the other hand, we, we're spending... An enormous amount of time this primary season talking about a healthcare plan that is just not going to happen. <laughs> like, it's just, it's like, a, it's a good, I mean, I, you know, in a way, P. Buttigieg is at least somewhat realistic, where he's like, yeah, we have single payers at an okay long term goal, and maybe we can get there kind of piecemeal over time, starting with a, a expansive public option. You might not like that answer. You might think that's a kind of a moderate sellout position, but I think it's, I think that's, if you want to talk about realism, that probably is the most the most down-to-earth approach.
0: Yeah, it struck me that at the top of this plan, before she really gets into the details, Elizabeth Warren has this whole section where she says, if you want to come at me on this, you're going to have to come with your own plan now.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. That's kind of her shot across the bow to Bernie, right? Like, okay, I did it. And also she can say to Bernie, you came up with X amount of money. You know, I found more. I, I I think it's going to take more. Here's how I found more. How are you going to do it? I think that when she gets up on the debate stage, she says, someone asks her, how do, how do you pay for it? And she says, I have a plan to pay for it that actually gives workers a raise in their take-home pay and will lower costs to businesses. And um, if you doubt my numbers, they were produced by world-famous uh, MIT economist Simon Johnson, who used to be head of the head economist at the International Monetary Fund and as also the guy who used to run Medicare for Barack Obama. What do you doubt their numbers? Like that's that's the line is like I got I got famous experts to to vet and produce this plan for me and it does these wonderful things. And then, you know, some journalists or some of her opponents on stage are going to say no, it's still not realistic, but at that point it just becomes a yeah, are they going to talk about what we were just going over about, like, whether the employee contribution is a flat tax or whether a a payroll tax would be a better way to do it that's more progressive. I mean, maybe they'll get into it. I don't know.
0: Jordan Weissman, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Jordan Weissman writes about business and economics for Slate. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, Daniel Hewitt, and Mara Silvers. I'm Mary Harris. You can find me during the day on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk, and I will talk to you tomorrow.